Good morning. So I'm Bill Lapp, um, husband of Carrie, father of Ben, Zach, Elena, and Justice, who's in currently in Saudi Arabia. So if he's listening, hello, Justice. Um, <clears throat> it's a privilege for me today to read God's word to you. Um, today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 23. So let's hear God's word. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and, an, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it because it will be, it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that, has, that he has built survives, it will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. So let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the, or the world or life or death or things present, present or things to come. Everything is yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, brother. If you have a Bible, uh, which I hope you do, get to uh, open it up and get to 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to be in those uh, verses this morning. Where will you be in the year 2042? If the Lord doesn't return before then, where will you be? How old will you be? If you have children, how old will they be? Lord willing, Heather and I will be 66 years old. Thinking of some next generation names around here, Maven and Liberty will be 20. Baby Heinrichsen will no longer be Baby Heinrichsen. She'll be, he'll be, I don't know, okay? Relax, no, easy. Half the population here just thought you locked it in. I don't know, truly don't. The baby will be 19 years old. Brexley will be 24. Avery will be 31. Mason will be 35. Karis will be 35 as well. Lydia, she'll be 40. I don't think she's here to feel that number. That's, dis that's disappointing. I was looking forward to that moment. Some of you will be absent from the body and present with the Lord by then. If you trust in Christ, if you follow in Him, to die is gain, according to Philippians 1.21, and you will have gained by then. No more sorrow, sin, suffering, a sweet eternity it will be. Crosspoint will be nearly 40 years old, a couple generations in a ministry and mission. I doubt if I'll still be the lead pastor. I'm pretty confident 
all but one person in here will have grown tired of me by then, and she might have as well by then. Why am I sharing these numbers? Just to make us feel old and feel the brevity and the quickness of life? Maybe, maybe. I think that's good. I think instead what I'm wanting us to see is beyond the moment of today, beyond October 2022, to lift our eyes, consider the question, what foundation are you building your life on? Better said, who is the foundation of your life or your household? Who is the foundation of this local church? Because your future and our future depends solely upon the foundation we're building on. Foundations matter. The way I built a blanket fort back in the day when the kids were little, or how I built a tree house, or how we built an addition onto our home all around the same time of year, those foundations were radically different. The blanket fort, we hoped it would last a day or two, depending on what we got clearance from from the tower, all right? Or when we wanted to reclaim our kitchen table, like, okay, we got to use the kitchen table. The treehouse was intended to last for years. The addition is going to outlast our lifetime. I have a friend who builds houses and who I think does a phenomenal job, and he joked with me one time that he probably won't know how good of houses he built until after he's passed, 80, 100, 120 years in. One of the key components, if not one of the most important, will be the foundation of the home. Is that foundation solid or is it sagging? Is it sturdy? Is it sinking? Foundations matter in the building of a house, but to an even greater degree, the building of a life, the building of a family tree, the building of a local church. Jesus Christ is our foundation here at Crosspoint. I know that seems like an obvious statement that a pastor should make in a church building. Like, duh, it better be. But sadly, the local church since the New Testament has been tempted to make its foundation something or someone else other than Jesus. And in 2022 or 2042 or any year between or any year after, we face that same temptation as well. So we must be reminded from the living, eternal, authoritative, relevant word of God this morning of the importance, the necessity it is that the local church, let alone our lives, be built and founded on the unchanging and unshakable foundation of Jesus Christ. The Corinthian church that Paul is writing to in this letter is tempted to turn to other foundations to build the church on. And Paul is warning them of the inadequacy, the failing nature of these lesser things. We've seen in this first section of the letter how Paul has been calling them to forsake divisions over leaders in the church and to forsake the worldly wisdom and instead calling them to pursue godly wisdom with the gospel as central to that wisdom. We'll see these two themes show up again in this section, and in doing so, the Spirit, through Paul, is wanting the Corinthians and us to forsake trying to build our lives and the life of the church upon any human leader or upon any human wisdom found in this world. Paul is calling them, both the leaders and the members of the Corinthian church, back to Jesus. He's exhorting the leaders of the church build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He's exhorting the brothers and sisters in the church build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. So may we hear the word today and, and respond in faith. Let's listen again to verses 10 and 11. Paul writes, according to God's grace that was given to me, 
I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. According to God's grace that was given to me, Paul writes, I love that he began there. Before he begins to talk about how he worked and labored as a servant in the church, he reminds them that it's by God's grace that he labors. He didn't lead and serve in the church in order to earn God's grace, but in worshipful response to receiving God's grace. He worked from a place of grace rather than for God's grace. It's also this reminder that that Paul wasn't chosen as an apostle because he himself was great, but only because of God's greatness and God's goodness and his grace. Before salvation, Paul hated the Lord Jesus, hated the people of God, hated the church and the Lord because of his great love and mercy graciously and radically saved Paul and sent him out as a missionary. Loved ones, it's a great encouragement to me, and I pray it is for you as well, that the Father continues to use His humble sons and daughters, recipients of grace, empowered by the Spirit, to be servants in His church. Servants who are enjoying the grace of God, serving out of the overflow of receiving that extravagant grace. Paul is introducing the metaphor of building and architecture to the local church. Last week in the passage that Dan preached from, it was agricultural. This week, it's, it's an architectural picture. And three truths that we learn from Paul about foundations. First of all, he says there's only one foundation choice. It's already been set. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a New Testament church, it's not open to choice as to who or what the foundation is. We don't need to go discover a fresh new foundation, but rather an ancient one, an eternal one. His name is Jesus. Secondly, he exhorts the leaders of the church to be careful how you build. Don't be sloppy. Don't get haphazard. Don't get rushed. Be careful to build upon the gospel of the crucified and risen Christ. And why be careful? The third truth He says that someone's going to come after you to build. You're not the only one working on this kingdom project of the building of the church. Paul himself had spent 18 months with the Corinthians. Someone has come after him, Apollos, to continue that work. Other leaders have joined in, and down the road, future leaders will keep building and carrying on the work. Paul is aware of how how temporary service roles are in the kingdom of God, temporary in light of eternity. Temporary or interim may even mean decades. But again, even then, someone, unless the Lord returns, will carry on that work. So for me, I'm the second lead pastor of Crosspoint in its 19 years. Lord willing, there'll be a third Depending on how long the Lord tarries, there could be a fourth or a fifth. Quite likely, it is that the future pastors and staff and missionaries and church planters that will be raised up through this local church are among the rows right now or are back there in the nursery, in fifth grade, in third grade. So we have to think further than October 2022. 
We have to equip and disciple thinking generationally and not simply just in the moment. We don't, we don't know when the Lord will return, but until He does, there's, there's disciple-making kingdom building to be done. The local church is a communal building project. Each part has its role to play, not just those in leadership, but the entire body, all the members. 1 Corinthians 12. Consider that in this picture of a building, in the context of those living in the time that, of Paul's letter, of receiving this letter, in their mind, when they hear temple, they, hear, they think of Herod's temple in Jerusalem. It took tens of thousands of workers to build, over seven decades to build. And over those 70 years, workers moved on, they retired, they moved to different parts of, of the work, they passed on. Brothers and sisters, who will follow you in your current role at Crosspoint? Who will be sent out from your community group to go start a new group? Who will be the, the next teacher to come alongside you in Sun Chasers? Who will be the next worship leader, the next servant who mows the grass, fixes the door? We need to equip and disciple and encourage in light of the reality that someone will come after us. It could even be years, but someone will come after us. Paul is saying the foundation we're building on isn't up for choice. It's Jesus Christ. And we must be careful and watchful to make sure that the church doesn't drift from Jesus Christ. And we must be careful because future transition will happen. And in the transitions, we want there to be a continuity in the pursuit of a church that is seeking to live out the great commandment and the great commission, loving God with all that they have, loving their neighbor, and going and making disciples. Verses 12 through 14, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So in verse 12, Paul compares two types or classes of building materials. You have gold, silver, costly stones, and then you have wood, hay, and straw in the other category. Comparatively speaking, valuable versus worthless, precious versus useless. Materials that are imperishable in fire versus those that will perish in fire. One makes for a solid foundation, one, ma one makes for a failing one. We've all read the three little pigs, so we get that. And in the context of the letter, we see a couple examples of what would qualify as wood, hay, or straw. Examples of terrible and failing materials to use in the building of a local church. One is for the church to try to build itself on human wisdom. And we've seen thus far in the past few weeks, that's one characteristic of human wisdom one characteristic of that is that it removes the cross of Christ. It sets it aside. Worldly wisdom is the thinking that we, created people, finite people, limited people, know more than creator God who is infinite, unlimited, beyond time and space. That's human wisdom in an essence. I know more than the one who set the stars into motion and fearfully and wonderfully made people in His image and likeness. 
Another example of a terrible material to build a church on is that of human leaders. In the Corinthian church, there are factions trying to put up Paul and Apollos and Peter as the cornerstone of the church. And Paul has been saying thus far and will again in this passage, that's a terrible idea. It will fail in the same way that a house would crumble if used straw or hay as its footing. Sadly, we've seen that very reality come to pass over and over in churches. And we're not above falling into the same exact trap. So today, may the Lord strengthen our desire that Jesus Christ alone would be our foundation. Because as verse 13 tells us, there will come a a time of testing for all we build. The day that Christ returns, the day of judgment, this is the testing of the workmanship, not the worker. The judgment of the quality of the work, not the quality of the worker. We're saved by grace, not by works. Paul is not abandoning that truth here. This is not heaven versus hell. This is reward or no reward to the one who is building. The quality of the work will be shown for the day will bring it to light. It's going to reveal its character. It's going to expose it as either valuable or worthless, timeless or useless, eternal or earthly. The quality of the work will get revealed. It is not if, but it will. The inspector will show up. Also notice that Paul is not saying we'll be judged by the amount of work, but the quality of the work. In what kind of materials we used in the building of the church. The distinction is not between lost and saved, but among the saved on who built well and who built poorly. If the quality of the work reveals that it was about Jesus and the gospel, reward will be given. If the work is burnt up because it was of straw of human wisdom or the straw of human personality, while the worker will be saved and escape the fire of testing the reward will not be. If you use perishable materials to build with, the reward is perishable. If you use imperishable materials to build with, the reward is also imperishable. In Scripture, the Lord promises reward to those who serve Him faithfully. For example, Matthew, uh, Matthew 10, Matthew 25, Revelation 11 and 22. Listen to verses 12 and 13 in Revelation 22, the last chapter in your Bibles. Jesus says, look, I'm coming to, look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega will return, and with him reward those who have built upon him as the one and only true foundation. That truth shouldn't drive us to be fearful, but rather faithful. Motivate us to worship the one who has saved us by his grace, covered us by his grace, and whose grace will finish the work that he has begun in us. Verses 16 and 17, we get a warning to those who are seeking to destroy the church, the temple that God is building. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Don't you yourselves know? Paul uses this phrase 10 times in this letter, only once elsewhere in other letters. He's trying to get through to the thick skull of the Corinthians. This is a rebuke to them. Don't you know? 
Have you forgotten that you, brothers and sisters, in the church are dwelling places for the Spirit of God? That resurrection power dwells in you through the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in the New Testament since the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God doesn't simply dwell in an earthly temple, but resides in God's people. You, me, He's addressing both the leaders in the church and the church as a whole. He's saying, this is who you are in Christ. You are holy in him. You are God's temple. So then in verse 17, why are you trying to destroy the temple? Why are you trying to make it about you? Because that's not who you are in Christ. He's not talking about the church building. He's talking about the family of God. The gathered saints who are sanctified in Christ Jesus and call the church of God at Corinth home. And so how are the Corinthians destroying the church? Again, in the context of the letter, we learn of two key ways. One destructive foundation is that of factions and divisions, quarreling and strife, trying to align yourself to a human leader rather than Jesus Christ. Human leaders, like you and me, make for terrible foundations. What's beautiful about the church of Jesus Christ is we've had the same cornerstone 2,000 years. His name is Jesus. He transcends all cultures, all languages, all generations, all of history. The other destructive foundation is that of worldly wisdom, trying to build the eternal, supernatural temple of God with earthly thoughts and earthly practices that won't withstand the fire of testing that amount to saying, hey, you know what? Let's build an addition and let's put straw as the footing. Let's see how this rolls. It'll go quick. This will work out. And the quality of the workmanship gets exposed when the fire and the testing show up. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will will destroy him. The Alpha and the Omega will return. And Paul makes it clear that the Lord Jesus, our cornerstone, will have the final say. And if we've rejected him as the cornerstone, if we've tried to establish someone or something else as the cornerstone of the church, we will face rejection as well because the church is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, it's precious to him. It's his body that he laid down his body for. The gathered saints of God saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Son of God alone, His sacred people, His sons and daughters. The good shepherd stands at the gate, protecting. One of the greatest ways, my brothers and sisters, that we can love one another in the church is through committing to maintain the unity of the Spirit that we've already been been given through the bond of peace through attitudes and habits such as humility and patience and gentleness and bearing with one another, through committing to be people who are gospel-centric, see it as of first importance that while it may appear foolish to the world, and it does, we know that it's life-giving wisdom from God. Paul comes back to that theme in verses 18 through 20. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows 
that the reasonings of the wise are futile. He's encouraging the whole church, not just leaders. If you think you're wise according to the patterns of this world, it's nothing to boast about. And the Corinthians were prone to hold in high esteem wisdom of the world. And such worldly wisdom doesn't build the church, let alone glorify God. Instead, Paul says the church is to become like fools. Not fools in the sense of how Proverbs uh, defines it, but rather fools are those who, who live for Jesus alone. See the gospel as central. See him as, as the foundation and not ourselves or not some worldly pattern. And then in verses 19 and 20, Paul is quoting from Job 5 and Psalm 94. And in doing so, he's reminding the Corinthians of who the Lord is and always has been, that he's unchanging. His wisdom is supreme. What the world thinks is wise, God declares to be folly. What the world thinks is foundation, foundational is, is simply hay and straw. And then moving to verses 21 through 23, Paul returns to one pattern of this world that the Corinthians had begun to follow, and that was boasting in their human leaders. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Paul tells them to forsake the wisdom of this age that was leading them to exalt themselves and leading them to exalt their human leaders, that it's a waste of time and energy. It's keeping the Corinthians away from great commandment and great commission living. It's destroying the temple, hurting themselves. It's blending in with the world rather than standing out from the world. And in verse 22, Paul is saying, don't you realize that all teachers, including all things, belong to you in Christ? The leaders in the church are gifts from the Lord, not gods to be worshipped. The church isn't the property of the apostles, such as Paul or Peter, or of the Corinthian leaders. No, instead the leaders are the lead servants of the church and in the church. They're the, the lead ones saying, let's make much of Jesus. Follow my, follow my way of life. I pray that my life would, would make much of Jesus and where it doesn't, that you'd see a, a confession, a repentance, a dependence upon the Lord and His grace. And then Paul also wants to remind them, just as Jesus is Lord over your leaders, He is also Lord, He is reigning and ruling, and it's all-encompassing over this world and life and death, things present, things to come, there is no loophole that doesn't fall into those categories. It's all under the good, sovereign control of the one who is above all things, including now, future, life, death. Brothers and sisters, knowing such truth, may we never seek to build our lives or the life of this church on anything or anyone other than him. Let us not follow the world's temptations, the temptations of our flesh to live for the temporary when we know the one who is eternal and he knows us. And then in verse 23, we are reminded we too, our very lives as believers in him, belong to the Lord. We are his. Romans 14, 8, Paul writes, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Nothing can separate us. 
Why would we pursue a foundational material that will end up burning up when we have Christ as our cornerstone? We are His possession, His workmanship, held fast and secure in Him. He's not forsaking. He's not walking out. He's not abandoning those He loves and He has saved. The blessings of believers in Christ are secure because Christ's place with the Father is secure. Loved ones, we can rest in that unchanging reality. We can lay our head on the pillow and not grow anxious for tomorrow because that reality is true. We can also labor and exert ourselves and strive and build in that reality. It's Christ as the cornerstone. It's His workmanship. It's His He's causing the growth. We are simply planting and watering that in Christ Jesus, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. And we can also accomplish kingdom work because work that is founded in him doesn't burn up at the end. It leads to reward. It leads to his glory both now and in the day of the Lord. Crosspoint, we're in the midst of a building project. And no, this has nothing to do with the painting outside. A building campaign, if you will. And no, there's no pledge cards. There's no walk the aisle with the cards. We're going to be in the midst of a building campaign until the day of the Lord. And we've all got a part to play in the building. Diverse trades coming together to build in a way that pleases and reflects the owner, and the owner is not me, and the owner is not you. It is not us. The owner is Jesus Christ, the eternal one. What ties the work together? The building that is being built? Jesus Christ, our foundation. What stabilizes it in a world that is tossing to and fro, addicted to chasing their identity from here and there, Jesus Christ, our foundation. What unifies the workers as we serve and labor? Not a human leader, not human thought. Jesus Christ, our foundation. What gives the church its security, its peace? No matter the season, Jesus Christ, our foundation. What gives the church its identity? Not human leaders, not human wisdom, nothing of this world, but Jesus Christ, our foundation. And such will be the case whether it's 2022 or 2042, any year in between, any year after, until the Lord returns. May we be found faithful in that work and in that identity that we have in Him. Father God, thank You for sending Your Son. Thank You for empowering us with the Spirit. Thank You that You are present, You are powerful, You are good to us. Lord, it is our prayer that you, Jesus Christ, would be the foundation of this church and of our lives, our family trees, our households. We don't want anything of this earth, like hay or straw, to serve as that. May you get all the glory. May you be the bedrock our steady, our anchor, our refuge. Thank you that you are faithful to a thousand generations, including our own, including generations in the future. We trust you, we depend upon you, we worship you. We pray this in your name, amen.
Hebrews 10, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching, enjoy the opportunity we have here and the week ahead to encourage one another, to spur one another on, provoke one another toward love and good deeds for his glory.